Are y'all excited that school is back? Parents are, apparently. We'll get there, right? If you happen to need a Bible, raise your hand, and these guys will be glad to give you one. Take your Bibles and devices and whatever you're using and turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. couple things I want to mention to you, and, and calendar-wise and other stuff, there's a lot going on as we've entered back into a new school year, so I want to make sure that, that you mark everything down, and sometimes at uh, the end of, of the hour, because the preacher tends to run long at this place for some reason, I'm going to speak to him about it, but uh, sometimes we don't get a chance to, to uh, necessarily talk about everything like uh, we need to, so uh, I would encourage you. Not only read the bulletin handout you get, but go to the website and, and try to keep up with everything that's going on. But there are a couple of things that I do want to mention to you. Number one, obviously we're in the middle of, as we're talking about, our, our Go campaign for September. We're going to go pray. In October, we're going to go back and hand out information. And, and Lord willing, if he allows us to meet some of our neighbors and engage them, we're going to be talking about a lot of that as, as we move on. Marcus is going to be here today. At 1.15, he thinks. He's going to uh, try to get from Bartlett out at noon out here by 1.15 to meet with anybody that's interested in being part of the, the prayer ministry with the GO campaign. Now, we went through this last week, so I'm going to do it one more time. How many of you have the capacity to pray? If your hand's not up, then you're not alive. You're born again? You're here, you have the capacity to pray. Uh, that is our fervent desire, if nothing else, that we get our people, the Christ church people, praying for their neighborhoods, praying for their neighbors, praying for their church, praying for their leadership, but specifically praying in the Go campaign for our neighbors and our neighborhoods. So, Marcus will be here today. If you can make it at 115, you can go eat and and I'll try to get out of here on time. You can go eat and come back and then begin to just kind of do a little training, have some prayer cards and show you what we're going to do. Now, please look at me. Is everybody looking at me? Those three that are asleep over there, somebody wake them. You're not supposed to go to sleep till halfway through the sermon. So we will not in any way make you do something you're uncomfortable doing. We're not going to have you have a book and notch in your book how many of your neighbors that you personally accost and threaten in your neighborhood. We just want to ask you to, be, to walk your neighborhood. Pray. Uh, you don't have to get down on your hands and knees. You don't have to get arrested. You don't ha have to just walk. You may not be able to walk. You can drive. You may want to you pray from your house. We want to get us in the habit become a habit in our lives of praying for our neighbors and then see what God does. Again, how many of us have the capacity to pray? All right. So if you can make it at 115 today, if not, sign up, contact Marcus. You can go to the website. It's easy to sign up. 
or you can put it on your connect card and I will pass it on to him and just let, it's so thrilling for me just to see what God does. He tells us in his word that he works through our prayers. We don't understand how all that, that dynamic because we're not God. But we're going to talk about prayer next week. The entire message is going to be on the subject of prayer. And the focus, one of the primary things that we need to understand is maybe more than anything else, the significance of prayer in our lives as believers is to align us with God's will. Me, us as a church, me as an individual, you, each of us, and it just has to be, it, it should be, that and being in the Word of God are the two most important habits every believer needs to have. So if, if we can develop the habit, like I'm telling you, I walk my neighborhood every night, and my little granddaughter's with us this weekend, and we didn't get to walk last night because she wanted to play on, have playground time instead of walk time. And it was getting dark, and she goes, oh, Grandy, we didn't have our fun walk tonight. I said, well, we'll, we'll do it another night. But every night I walk, and I can pray as I walk, and I don't even fall down and stumble. I just, and it's just neat for me to realize that in every one of those homes, and I know a lot of them now, a lot of them are total strangers to me. But how many of them did Jesus die for? Every single one. Even that guy in your neighborhood that nobody likes. Some, that used to be me when we lived in Bartlett. They called me the priest. I don't know why, but some of the kids in the cove just didn't like Randy. But even that guy in the neighborhood that you maybe hear some people have trouble with, Jesus loved him, loves him currently and maybe you're the conduit through which he hears the gospel. You don't know. But what we do know is that God tells us to pray. Jesus said, pray for your enemies. Love them. Ask God to bless those that curse you. Reach out. Care. We'll start with that. So today at 115, if you can make that. That's something really exciting that I know you're all interested in. We're going to have go t-shirts. You're going to go, Woo! Now we're talking, and they're only, they're only 10 bucks. So, there we go. Go t-shirts. So, we're gonna already, we've already ordered some, but if you know for sure you want one, and you want to uh, see my wife afterwards, she doesn't know this, but you can see my wife afterwards, she's got a piece of paper where you can put your name down in your size, and we'll make sure that we got a t-shirt in your size. Only 10 short dollars. All right. Again, Wednesday nights, we've got some special stuff coming up. I want you to read about that. Those of you, on a personal note, those of you that have been taking the precept Bible study with me on Wednesday nights, I'm still going to be doing my, my, my Bible study. is going to be part of our new Wednesday night program starting September 12th. Uh, if you do not have to have a book and sign up for precept to come, if you come, just want to come to my Bible study, you can do that, and you're more than uh, welcome to do so. If, however, you want a book and you want to... Uh, I had the book, and you want to do the homework. And you're all like, yeah, I want to do homework. So just uh, see me, and I'll make sure I order you a book. All right? Now, the last thing I want you to put on your calendar, and then we'll get into the Word. September 30th. September 30th. So turn and write that on your husband's arm or your wherever. September 30th. We're just going to have a church-wide day. Both campuses are going to come together. We're going to have our worship service at each site. And then starting in the afternoon, we're going to have at the Bartley campus, we're going to have food trucks 
If you want to leave here and go right out there and eat, we're going to have food trucks on the parking lot. We've got our swimming pool. We're going to be playing volleyball. We'll bring both campuses together, just kind of spend the day from 2 to 4. We're going to be swimming and playing games. We're going to have uh, live music with Peter and some of our folks and Marcus and some of the folks in Bartlett together. We'll be having some live music and, again, swimming pool, playing games. The food trucks will be there from 2 to 4. And then at 4.30, we're going to do our annual congregational meeting where uh, the elders and we will just uh, kind of share where we are share some vision things that we have for Christ Church. So, Sunday, September 30th. We're praying that God will give us good weather, but even if he gives us bad weather, we're going to have the congregational meeting. And that's at 4.30, all of that on Sunday, September 30th at the Bartlett campus. You got that in your phone now? If it gets in your phone, it is from on high, right? So let it be written. So let it be done. Anybody know what movie that's from? You got to be old to know. What anybody know what movie that's from? Ten Commandments. Who was the star of it? No, 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 no. Yeah, yeah. Yule Brenner was in it. I realized that. I like Yule Brenner. He was kind of cool. Who was the star? Not Charlton Heston. Yes, he was in it. Edward G. Robinson. I love that scene. Edward G. Robinson is the guy. Who goes, yeah, yeah. We never should have left Egypt with Moses. Yeah. You got to be old like me to appreciate that. It's kind of Edward G. Robinson and Jimmy Cagney mixed in together. I'm not sure. And all the young people are going, who are Edward G. Robinson and Jimmy, and Jimmy Cagney? On the 4th of July, there's always this great movie. What's the name of that movie? You love it so much. Yankee Doodle Dandy. Who's the star of Yankee Doodle Dandy? Jimmy Cagney. That's a great, my wife hates that movie. I love it. I love to just watch him dance. How can you dance when your legs never move? All right. Turn to say, my wife said, get into the sermon, stupid. You're, you're driving us crazy. All right. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, if you will turn there. And take your hand out. Everybody have it? Hold it up so I can see. All right. As we're looking at our Go campaign, as we're moving closer and closer, and we began to talk about last week, and I love this passage of Scripture because it's so important to explaining where we are, who we are, and what we need to be doing as believers in Jesus Christ. So as we look at going into our neighborhoods as believers, I want us to understand who we are in Christ. We looked at it last week. We go as, we talked about number one, we're going uh, to transition into, into the rest of that. We are new creations in Christ. Look at 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17. New creations in Christ. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, 517, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And this is kind of where we focused last week. And it's so important that we understand that as believers in Jesus Christ, we are experiencing reconciliation. We have experienced reconciliation, being made right with God, brought back into that right relationship at peace with God because we're born again. That is our status. That's who we are as Christians. We have been declared righteous in Christ. Look at the verse a little more closely. If anyone is in Christ, that is the Apostle Paul's number one favorite saying to describe what it means to be a Christian in Christ, Christ in me, the hope of glory, he wrote to the Colossians. On and on, you'll see it throughout the writings of Paul, in Christ, Christ in me, in, in, in Christ. If any man is in Christ, and the Greek tense of the way that's structured, old things have passed away, all things have become new. 
It's a past tense verb with a present tense reality. We'll use Randy as an example. I was born again April 19th, 1970. 48 years ago, I became a Christian. At that moment in time, God obviously sees everything at once, and he knew about me. God, in my life, at that moment in time, I'm declared, in space and time, I'm declared righteous in Christ. Does that make me really good? Mary's been, we've been married 45 years this week. So we've known each other 48 years. I met Mary right about the same time I got saved. God knew what he was doing. He knew I needed some help. I needed Jesus and I needed Mary. And he gave me both and within the same period of time. So 48 years Mary's known me. Now, at that moment in time, April 19, 1970, I was born again. God declared righteous in Christ. I am a child of God. I transitioned from an enemy of God, a sinner bound for separation from God for all eternity in hell, I was separated from God. I was his enemy. I was helpless. All these phrases are used in Romans 5 to describe non-believers. And it says, while we were yet sinners, Romans 5a, Christ died for us. He died for me. It was explained to me, and I, I was born again. I accepted Christ, declared righteous. I become a child of God. I'm part of his family. I'm a Christian. I'm in. Now, since 1970, for 48 years, have I been just the greatest person in the world? I've made a few mistakes every now and then. No, I'm not perfect. What am I? I'm declared righteous in Christ. That's my position. I'm justified. Justification, that's the picture. With the present tense reality, that's the Greek tense of the verb. Old things have passed away. All things have become new. We talked about this last week. I get a new set of eyes. Every relationship changes. Mary's no longer the girl that I like. She's somebody that that maybe I'm going to spend the rest of my life with. And then three years later, we're married, been married all that time. And God has done so much in our lives, bringing us together in his sovereign will. Beautiful to look back and see what God was doing. And all that you do, those things change. Even as a Christian, going back into my home with my mother and my father and my two brothers, none of whom were born again. Now, suddenly... I'm looking at them, still my mother, still my father, still my two siblings. But now I look at them like people who might go to hell, would go to hell when they died if they're not saved. Now, I, the way I witnessed was not good. You know, I grabbed one of them and said, you know, you're going to hell, don't you? By the way, when you go to your neighbors, that's the way you want to approach it. Hi, I'm Randy. I live right down there. Did you know you were going to hell? No, no that's not the way. You, want, you need to love people. You need to care about them. Find out where they are. Want to be involved and care. And reach the opportunity, gain the privilege of sharing the love of Jesus Christ with them. That's not the way I witnessed it first, particularly in my family. I had to learn over a long period of time. So, in Christ, I'm a new creation. God gives me a new set of eyes. Greek. Past tense, 1970. Present tense reality. Even in 2018, as I stand here today, that's the reality. I am in Christ. I'm experiencing reconciliation. I have been reconciled, and I am being reconciled. Sanctification. Becoming more like Christ. Those new eyes. Growing. Learning. Never having arrived. The Apostle Paul described himself as chief among sinners. What I don't want to do, that's what I do. What I do want to do, I don't do. Who will deliver me? From this body of death. 
He was struggling with sin, just like I do and just like you do. But as one who's born again, I have experienced and I am experiencing reconciliation. In Galatians 6, Saul of Tarsus, who would become the Apostle Paul, wrote these words. But God forbid that I should boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. Now, this was Jesus' number one enemy for the road to Damascus experience where he was radically saved. And he said, now the whole world has been crucified to me. I live for Christ. I am reconciled. He also wrote in Philippians chapter 1, being confident of this very thing, that he, God, who has begun a good work in you, reconciliation, will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ, that God will finish what he's done. I love that passage. I love the book of Philippians. I love Philippians chapter 1. probably my favorite chapter in the whole Bible. Philippians 1.21, my life verse, me to live is Christ and to die is gain. I think it sums up the Christian life. I've experienced reconciliation. Here's what I know. Despite my flaws, despite my sin, despite the fact that at times God is so disappointed in Randy, I'm still his boy, I'm still his son, and he will finish what he began in me. And I will always, Jesus said, cannot take you out of my hand. I'm his and always will be. So secondly, there on your handout, I'm experiencing reconciliation. Now he gives to us, verse 18. This is where it gets to be so cool practically right now with the Go campaign in our minds. The ministry of reconciliation, verse 18. The ministry of reconciliation. Now all things are of God who has reconciled us to him. Experiencing reconciliation, we just talked about. Who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. Now all things are of God. There in verse 18. The all things that are of God is what we talk, we've been talking about. The, the ministry, the experiencing of reconciliation, being born again, all the things we talked about last week, the context, becoming a new creation in Christ. All that is of God. God himself has reconciled us, notice the plural pronoun, to himself through Jesus Christ. God did the work in us, through us, for us. In Colossians chapter 1, the apostle Paul, Saul of Tarsus, wrote these words. In the body of his flesh, Christ, through death, to present you, us, holy, blameless, and above reproach in the sight of God. Not because Randy's a good guy, not because Randy's a preacher, not because Randy does some good things, or you. Every believer, because of the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, by repentance and faith in Christ being born again, God will present me before himself above reproach because of Jesus. We've been reconciled. Now, here's the point. Now, there's verse 18. He has given us reconciliation, but he's also given us something that's so cool. The ministry of reconciliation. Our service, the word ministry means your service. Our service to our neighbors is to share with them reconciliation. 
then let them know it's possible. To let them know if they can do, if God could do this for Randy, he could do it for you. It's not because I'm special. And again, when I'm walking and I'm praying, one of the things that I think about is that all these kids that I see, and a lot of them run around Arlington. They're all over the place. Their parents, their grandparents, every face that you look into is a face that Jesus died for. It's a face that God wants to reconcile. It's a face that God wants me to love. It's a face that God wants me to share with them. I've been forgiven. Let me tell you how cool that is. I've been given eternal life. Let me tell you what a, how exciting that is. Let me just kind of let you know what it means. Not what you think, not what you've heard, not what you've seen. Talking to a lady this week who didn't want anything to do with church because the church is full of hypocrites. Have you ever heard that? You know what? She's right. But Jesus isn't. What you want people to understand, what you want your neighbors, a lot of them, and I know it's true, in our own city, we've seen it in this last year in a very graphic way. A lot of people in church have had bad experiences, have been hurt by leaders, by pastors, by elders, by deacons, by Sunday school teachers. My, this girl, one of the people I talked with last week, quit going to church because of her mother being a hypocrite. What we want people to understand is you're right. Human beings will let you down. But Jesus Christ never will. He loves you. He died for you. He was beaten to death for you. He was hung on a cross for you. He went to, took your sin debt on his back and said, it is finished. I paid for it. Rose from the dead to end and conquer sin and death, death and hell for you. And says, here, it's my free gift to you. You can't earn it. You can't buy it. You'll never be good enough to deserve it. Nobody is. I'll, I'll give it to you. Just come to me by faith. Trust me. Let me give you peace, hope, forgiveness, peace of mind, peace with God, reconciliation, new life, the hope, not just for beyond the grave, but for tomorrow and the next day and the next day. God, I want you to notice verse 18 very closely. It's our primary focus today, verse 18. God has given us, us, the ministry of reconciliation. New life, share it. New life, it's yours. Now, please, one more time. Notice the pronoun in verse 18. God has given, what's the next word? Is that singular or plural? I struggled in English. Plural. Notice, Paul is writing this to a church at Corinth that was weak, that was immature, that was fleshly, that was full of people that were struggling with idolatry. Christians, but immature, fleshly, weak imperfect. The ministry of reconciliation is not for the clergy. The ministry of reconciliation is for every believer, including the clergy. But it is our job, the pastor, teachers, the leaders, it is our job to equip you 
for ministry. The Apostle Paul wrote to the church at Ephesus. Equip the saints for the work of the ministry. You're the saints. Every believer has this ministry. I shared this with you last week. See if you remember. This will check you up for your homework. You, you could pass. In percentages, how many people come to know Jesus Christ through talking to their pastor? Do you remember? And that's number two on the list. What was it? 7%. Very good. I'm impressed. 7%. That makes us, man, you ain't worth much. 7%. And that's number two on the list. Number one on the list is 75%. And who was that? Neighbors and family. This ministry is for all of us. You don't have to be the Bible scholar that can answer every question. So guess, because guess how many of those them there are on the planet? Zero. There's some tough questions, hard questions. We can't answer. I was listening to Ravi Zacharias this week, who's a brilliant man. I listened to about five of his uh, interaction with college students and answering questions, and I'm just blown away at how off-the-cuff, intelligent, sharp the man is, Christian philosopher. But you know what? Can't answer every question. But the point is, Jesus has proven himself to be exactly who he said he was. So by faith, you could be born again and then begin to work on those. Ministry of reconciliation. Next point, verse 19. It's also given us the word of reconciliation, verse 19. This, that is, God was in, Christ, was in Christ. This is our ministry is to share that. Here's specifically what we are to share. God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing or charging their trespasses or sins to them. He's committed to us, plural, the word of reconciliation. This is our message as we go out to minister to our neighbors. This is the message. God was in Christ. Wanted to bring you at peace with him. Not charging your sins to you. He charged him to Christ on the cross when he said it is finished. Debt paid in full. That's the exact same word. He charged our sins to Jesus' account. In Romans chapter 4, they, you don't have to turn there, the Apostle Paul wrote these words. What then shall we say that Abraham our father has found according to the flesh? If Abraham was justified or reconciled, born again by works, he has something to boast about, but not before God. What does the scripture say? Genesis. Abraham believed God and it was accounted or imputed to him for righteousness. The exact same word. Charged to his account. This was in Genesis 12. Charged to the account of Abraham was righteousness by faith, not works. Now to him who works, the wages are not counted as grace, but as debt. But to him who does not work, but believes on him who justifies the ungodly, God, his faith is accounted for righteousness, not his works, his faith. Just as David also describes the blessedness of the man to whom God imputes righteousness apart from works. David writes, blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven and whose sins are covered. That word means atoned for. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord shall not impute sin or charge to his account. It's literally a banking term in Greek. You have an account. And your sin debt, you'll never be able to pay. 
but he charges to your account righteousness, debt paid in full by faith in Jesus Christ. So he says he gives to us the word of reconciliation. It's a great, I love this word, pardon the pun, the word, word. It's a logos, L-O-G-O-S, and it means true, genuine, as opposed to somebody's fable. In the great prologue of the Gospel of John, John writes, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God, the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, we beheld the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. That Word is Logos. In the beginning was the Word, that means before there was time, there was the Word, the great Logos And then he became Jesus of Nazareth, and we saw the glory of God. We saw who God really was. That's what glory means. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. So now he says to us, I've given you the ministry of reconciliation. Now go share the Word of reconciliation, and that's the Logos. Here's the point. We're sharing with people the great Logos, the truth, not a myth, the truth that is genuine, that will reconcile them to God. And as Jesus himself said, and you've heard me quote many, many times, that word, that is truth, and truth will set you free. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Not a fable, not a figment of our imagination, not one religious option amongst many. He is the one true God. God in the flesh, and he gives to us the great privilege of sharing that word with people. What's fascinating about this, and I I actually, God kind of hit me with this this week in a very new way, in a way I never really thought about it, and I want to share it with you. When you're thinking about your neighbors who may not be Christians, God knows how much about them. Everything. He knows their hurts. He knows their pains. He knows their loneliness, their emptiness, their struggles, their despairs, their frustrations, their desires, the fact that they're looking for peace and hope and meaning. And he's provided a solution for all of that in the person of Jesus Christ, who, by the way, you know. You don't have to go talk to them about judgment. This is what God hit me with. Even though judgment is a very real thing, You don't have to talk to him about that because God put the judgment on Jesus Christ. Talk to him about how much God loves them, how much he loves them. The fact that he would judge Jesus in their place when nobody wanted that, wanted Jesus. He loves you that much. The judgment part will take care of itself. He judged Jesus in your stead That's why we call it the substitutionary atoning sacrifice. Jesus took Randy's place so Randy doesn't have to be judged for his sins. Jesus was in my place. Let me tell you something. That is a word that your neighbors desperately need. And again, I'm not saying that you've got to knock on every door in your neighborhood and talk to them about that. I'm saying we're going to go pray. And if just praying becomes a habit... Guess what's going to happen in October? As we just go back and hang information on their doorknobs, again, non-threatening, God is going to give us opportunities to tell people. How do I know that? Because that's his will for us. Just pray 
when the opportunity arises that you have the boldness to do it. If you don't, it's okay. Just see what God does. Let's just pray. Let's start with that and see what God does. They're hurting. They're lonely. The people that I talked just in the last two weeks who live in Arlington, I had them meet me at my Bartlett office because it's not very quiet here. I had a private office there, and just the tears, three or four different people in the last week and a half from Arlington, live in your neighborhoods, just tearing apart inside over something. They didn't know where to turn, and they'd either visited church here or they'd heard about the church. Walked, two of them walked through the front door, and just wanted to talk to Randy, and I had them meet me at Bartlett. One of them knew me and called me. Why? Because they know they need something. They just don't know what. Maybe they grew up in church. One one of them had been coming to church here for a long time, but quit coming because of what I mentioned earlier. But they knew they needed something. They were just dying on the inside. Did God know that about those people? Sure did. He knows when they're lonely, when they're hurting, they're in despair. They don't know where to turn. Looking for meaning. He knows all that. He loves them. He wants us to love them. And let them know what reconciliation really means. You don't have to use a theological term like substitutionary, atoning, sacrifice, propitiation, and reconciliation. Now, if you want to sound cool, you'll use those words. You don't have to. You just got to look them in the eye and say, I'm telling you, Jesus loves you. Talk to them. Who do you think, Jesus? Just talk. It's like you're having a conversation with anybody. But let me tell you what he, he, he's done for me. Let me tell you what the Bible, who, who, who he really is, not what you think from church, maybe a bad experience, whatever. Let's just talk about it. Meet them where they are, spiritually and physically, as we go. So verse 20. Number two in your handout. So we go. It's our ministry. It's our word. I love this phrase. One of the first things God taught me back in high school was this verse, this passage. I love it. We go, verse 20, as ambassadors for Christ. I love this. Verse 20. Now then, we, plural pronoun, not just the preachers, all of us, are ambassadors for Christ. As though God were pleading through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. It's really interesting, historically, as this was, as Paul was writing these words, the Roman Empire was divided into two types of provinces. And the imperial provinces, when they were in rebellion, which many times they were, they to quell the rebellion, and the goal was... Reconciliation and peace. This is the Roman Empire. The ambassadors would be sent out from the emperor. Ambassadors were sent out to declare in the imperial provinces in rebellion peace. Be very relevant when this was written to them, right? The exact same thing we're doing today. As ambassadors for the king of kings, you're going into your neighborhoods to say to them, you could be at peace with God. You can know the peace of God in your life. 
through the person of Jesus Christ. Luke chapter 2, the Bible says this. I bet you've heard this passage. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior. Randy, it's not Christmas yet. I know. He's Christ the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You'll find a babe wrapped in swaddling cloths, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Emmanuel, as God is with us, saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. The literal is peace to men of goodwill. God is offering to men on this day the Savior has entered the planet who will go and die for mankind who can be at peace with God because of him. As the ambassadors for Jesus Christ, we go out with this message. We represent the king. Look at verse 20 one more time. As though God were pleading through us, we live reconciliation. We share reconciliation. We are ambassadors. So finally, verse 21, what does this mean? Verse 21. For he made him, all that we've been talking about, God made him, Jesus, who knew no sin, to be sin for us. Plural pronoun, that we, plural pronoun, might become the righteousness of God in him. This is the atonement summed up in this verse, the essence, everything we've been talking about. It's the heart of the gospel, and it's our message. It describes the exchange life, my life as a sinner for the righteousness of Jesus Christ. The words like propitiation you see in the Bible simply means it satisfied the judgment of God. Substitution took my place. Justification, being born again. Final, ultimate judgment, all of that was put on Jesus. God made, it was the plan of God, initiated by God, executed by God. It satisfied the wrath of God, consistent with his love, his grace, his mercy. Notice the way the verse is structured, and then we're done. God made him who knew no sin. How much sin did Jesus commit in his life? None. He who knew no sin. That's why Jesus' sacrifice for sin could satisfy propitiation, God's demand, because he was perfect. He was the Lamb of God, Passover Lamb, without blemish. He could be sacrificed because he knew no sin. He was God in the flesh. It's the only sacrifice that could pay for the sins of human beings because he was 100% God and he was 100% man, God in the flesh. So as a man, he could die for my sins because he was perfect. He who knew no sin, the sinless one the sin sacrifice, to be sin for us, our substitute. On the cross, Jesus said, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Quoting Psalm 22. My God, my God, not my Father. Every other reference in Scripture where Jesus is talking to the God, how, what, how does he, what does he call God? Father. Hanging on the cross, what does he call him? God, because he was becoming the sin sacrifice for us. He was becoming that lamb who was dying for sin, which makes him 
the Savior for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. The greatest of all miracles that God ever performed was taking me, you, any other human being, and changing us from someone in rebellion against God to someone righteous in Christ. It'd be like, it's a term that's used in the New Testament. It'd be like you deciding, and some people in this room have done this, that you go down and you adopt a child. You didn't have that child. It's not yours by DNA, biologically. But you go down and say, I choose that child to become part of my family. God did that for every one of us in Christ. In Christ. Would you bow your heads, please? Father, we thank you this morning as we close our time together around the word of God that we understand reconciliation. At peace with you. Because of Jesus Christ. I thank you, Father, for all the believers that are here that we are in Christ. We're new creations. We've got new eyes. I pray we'd start using them. Use our new eyes to look at our neighbors differently. Not just be nice to them. We're all doing that. Not just even helping them out. We're probably doing some of that. But to pray for them. Agonize over their destiny. Love them. Share the love of Jesus Christ with them. That you'd start with me and Continue with every one of us. If nothing, if nothing else, Father, we'd be prayer warriors for our neighborhoods. Prayer warriors that they would come to know Jesus Christ. You would use Christ Church to make a difference in these communities, Arlington and Bartlett and, and all around our area. Use us, Father. So for, in our lives as believers, you convict as, as conviction needs to be about where we are. Make us willing to go. Make us willing to pray. Convict us if we're not there. We can pray. And Father, if there happens to be somebody here who's not a Christian, that they would think, wow, Jesus did all that for me. I can be at peace with God. My judgment, he took it. At this moment, they would say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you for dying in my place, taking my place, taking my judgment, being the sin sacrifice for me. Forgive me, save me. In Jesus' name, amen. Please stand as we sing, and if you'd like me to pray with you, I'll be down front.